and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. And for those of you who are students of the Word of God, we all should be, but I want you just to put a thumb in Mark chapter 2 or write it down. This story is done in both of these Gospels, and I'll be referring to different passages. It's just worded a little differently throughout. So if you don't find the exact wording while I'm preaching in Luke 5, you will see it in Mark chapter 2. But for time's sake, I'm going to read Luke 5, 17 through 26. Are you there this morning? And one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from all Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with them, with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking or reading their thoughts. He asked them, Why do you reason this way in your heart? If it's easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. So that I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home. Not healed, but what? Praising God. And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, praising God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I do not appreciate, nor do I embrace hype, where you rev, you try to rev emotions for emotion's sake. Having said that, Jesus was, Jesus had such an amazing birth and such an amazing life and such amazing ministry and such an amazing calling and such an amazing baptism and and so miraculous throughout his earthly ministry and had such an amazing crucifixion and such an amazing and 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 holy death and such an amazing resurrection and such an amazing ascension he ought to have an amazing church if we are the fullness of him there should be in this place Thing, places, people where you could just put a tagline and the Lord's power was present to heal them. Up and down the aisle. Your pastor, the older I've gotten, I resist. It's not that I don't do it, but I resist making sure that I'm the one that puts hands on everybody. I'll, listen, I'll pray with you, but you need to know that the Holy Spirit of Christ is all through the aisles of this church and you don't need a Pastor John to get what you need from God. When's the last time 
And, and I, I want you to twofold as we listen to this message. When's the last time you said about your Christian life, this is amazing. Or you came to church and said, this is amazing. I want to speak to you this morning by God's grace about those amazing things and, and the amazing church and the amazing Christian. And it's not the goal. It's the byproduct of the presence of Jesus Christ. If he's here, there ought to be amazing things happening. Father, I stand before you as an unprofitable servant at best. And I don't say that to be self-deprecating. I just see myself clearly like I talked about today. But I also stand clothed in your righteousness. And I ask you today, based on the commission and the glory of your son, that you would anoint me with an unction from heaven that would allow me to open up truths so where they would burst on the pages of our heart that we would see like we've never seen before and that we would have an anticipation. You never called us to create amazing things, but we should be eyewitnesses to them. Pull back the veil, Lord. Let Christ Chapel be a place where people say, it's not safe to go in there. You'll bump into God. Let that, let that be, Lord, I ask. Let there be spontaneous healings and restorations and wholeness. And may they go home this year. If you should tarry, may people go home praising you for these visitations. And I ask it in your name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When I say the amazing church, I want you to know I'm speaking of two things this morning. Every time you hear that phrase, you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the tabernacle, and what Pastor Wade's been talking to us about, church in our homes, our environment, our friends, our family, that local body where two or three are gathered in the midst. He said, uh, he said I'm in the midst of that. So that's a local assembly. Maybe not a corporate church, but it's a local assembly. And yourself. So this place collectively and yourself, your life, your, your group of people that you influence. The amazing church, if you're taking notes, number one, happens where Jesus feels at home. The amazing church happens where Jesus feels at home. It said in Mark 2, same story, different gospel. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, news spread quickly that he was back home. The Bible is clear that we are his habitation and his dwelling. That is why we are so diligent. We are to be diligent in creating an environment in our heart where he is not only at home, but feels at home. You ever went to visit somebody's house and they said, make yourself at home. And there's 61 cats walking on the countertop. There's, there went an animal. I don't know what that was going across the floor. You're kicking underwear, little kid's underwear all the way to the room. And you go in your room and you're scared to pull back the sheets. You may stay, but you don't quite feel at home. I'm trying to use something very, like, to get you to understand. See, they told me to be at home, make yourself at home, but I can't because it does not resemble my. Is your heart a home where he would feel comfortable. 
Amazing things happen when Jesus is at home. Living, dwelling with the contrite heart, the joyful heart, the praising heart. Our heart, this church, ought to look like heaven in some degree. Heaven is a place where Jesus is unquestioned. He's immediately obeyed. He's honored, revered, and worshipped. A place where uh, the, the created beings, his people, love what he loves, grieve over what grieves him, turns away from what, she, what he will not look upon, weep over what makes him cry, and dance at the opportunity of his pleasure. When Jesus feels at home with us, home is where people desire and strive to please him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, If you love me, you keep my words, and my Father will love you, and we will come and make our home with you. One of the reasons Jesus feels so far away is because he don't feel at home at your house. And one of the reasons he feels so near and God feels so close is when he feels at home, everything feels right. Everything feels right and in order. We should strive to make our house and this house as much like his house as possible. The question for our Sunday expression is, should not be did we enjoy it, but did God enjoy it? Heaven is a place of praise. How can you come into God's house and not do what God's house was designed to do? Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Heaven is a place of worship. It's a place of purpose. And it's a place where God rules with power and great glory. Where his authority is never questioned. And his glory is on constant display. Where all eyes are on Jesus and he is the origin, center, and sum of all things. Where those who know him stand at attention ready to serve him. Yes, sir. When Saul of Tarsus, who was a persecutor of the church, he killed those that followed Christ. When he saw Jesus on the Damascus road, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, what do you want me to do? This gathering on this day in Luke chapter 5 was built around the presence of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. You need to write that down. This gathering, our home groups, is built around the person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, with an expectation, an anticipation, and a, a, a making of room for the power of Jesus. It says in Luke 5, 18, And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus, with force and abundant in might. They weren't simply sitting around singing about him or talking about him. He was there. This is our problem. We're better than most, I feel, but we miss this. We compare ourselves with carnal and cold people so we get this inflated view of ourselves, and we do sing to him authentically and we do talk to him. But he's here. And if he's here, my spirit ought to just, anything can happen today. Anything can happen today. Any miracle, any spoken word, any decree. 
can happen today. If, he, if we thought he was here, we wouldn't tip in late and leave early. If we thought he was here, we wouldn't be playing on our phone when we could be lifting our voice. If, if we thought he was here, I'm glad to see you, but I didn't come for you. I came to see him. If, if we thought he was here, when the Spirit moved us on a song, we'd come and kneel before him and lay our head on this altar. If we thought he was here, we'd be grateful. And we, we'd thank him and thank him and thank him. If we thought he was here, we'd bring all of our cares and cast them upon him because we know that he cares for us. The amazing church happens where Jesus feels at home. And this is what we want to do with our life groups. Just a simple gathering of people where Jesus would walk in and go, I like it here. And anything can happen in that home. Number two, the amazing church will naturally draw people. The goal of a church and the goal of a home group and the goal of your life is not to see how many people you can draw around you. The goal is not a number. It's an organic happening to where if you have what you think you have, you'll draw people. If our church has what we think it has, it will draw people. We, we've had people over the years, Mama Sheila, you remember, come in and said, I was just driving down the interstate. They'd come and tell us, are you the pastor? And I mean, it wasn't a voice, but it was like a voice that said, get off here. We didn't even have no signs up until we put our little unapproved sign. Y'all see our little Christ Chapel sign up there? It ain't approved. It ain't approved. It's just bolted up there, you know. And they just said, I just, I just felt drawn to come in here. And that's the point. We don't, we're, not, we're not setting goals. And by the way, this will make a lot of my preacher friends mad. Uh, there's no biblical precedent for setting your number goals. The goal of the church is to reflect the image of Jesus Christ in the earth. But if you reflect him and you house him... And you share him, and he's lifted up. What does he do? Draws people. Okay. Amazing church. It said in Mark 2, verse 2, Soon the house was so packed that there was no room, even outside the door. Oh, we got to open another life group. Oh, we got to plant another church. That's why we've done this. And we've sent people. Because if Christ draws them, the goal is not to see how many people I can get under one roof and take my picture out front in front of a sign with all these people behind me and go, ooh, John's amazing. The goal is not to see how many people we can get in here. The goal is to see how many people we can get up there. But having said that, if the Lord is there, where you meet is always growing, inward, outward, and upward. You can write that down. If Christ is there, you're growing inward, outward, and upward. Always outgrowing our past experiences. Our kids are seven and five now. So Elisha, my little boy, oh, y'all. You heard me talk about my girls all these years, and everything I told you is true, but he's just stealing my heart. I mean, he is wrecking this man. 
he was, wants to help me. And, you know, Brother Seagull was over at the house the other day. He's got his tool belt on. And he's, bless his heart, his daddy don't know the difference between a flathead and a Phillips head. But I, he's got his tool belt on. And he's picking stuff up for me. And he's going up and stuff. And I said, buddy, you helped me so much today with everything. I just want to thank you. And he said, he said, Daddy, I'll always be there for you. I'm just, just, Daddy, why you cry all the time? You know. But he's five and he's going from hardly being able to talk to he's articulating these sentences. Like he told one of the girls the other day, he goes, he goes Isabel, you're killing me. Oh. You got that from your mother. I know where you got that from. Yeah, no, I got it from me. But he'll come in one day and he's just this little boy. He's got his PJs on. And the next week, he comes in like this. And I'm like, where'd you get, what, what's wrong with, where, Kelly, have we, have we not gone through the clothes? She goes, they fit him last week. Okay. If you grow, you outgrew the things that fit you yesterday. It is, see, yesterday it was enough for me to come to church. Now, I'm, I'm just going to hit it. May I hit it? Okay. Don't point. Don't look straight ahead. Don't, don't pinch nobody. Don't look ahead. And most of them aren't here anyway. They're relatives. But just think of things. As a matter of fact, we're going to visualize. Close your eyes. Th yeah, close your eyes. Think of Thanksgiving and Christmas and think of that relative that don't ever bring nothing. <laughs> don't bring nothing. Now, if you told them don't bring nothing, that's okay. But they are the first to eat, the last to get up, don't cook, don't clean up, and they go and sit down and belch and scratch and sit down on the couch. And, okay, you can look back this way. That's okay if you told them to do that. But after 10 years, right, there are, and that person sitting on the couch thinks they're lucky to have me here. I could have been anywhere. I got friends everywhere. I got family everywhere. They're just, they just glad that I'm here. And, and, and we are. But when are you going to grow up? And provide it for other people. We have patted ourselves on the back long enough because we go to church and they ought to be happy to have me. No, we go to church. This is nothing but a huddle. You ain't even played the game. This is just a huddle. Okay, strong right, full back dive left, Z out on one, break. And people leave church, ooh, that was good. That was good there. And that's their Christian service. I got up on my off day. Let me get back to my notes. That didn't go over well. but If your level of service fits you this year like it did last year, you're not growing. If your level of praise, your level of worship, this place ought to be louder. This place ought to be more grateful. This place ought to be more um, 
It ought to have a sensational feel about it because the clothes that fit me last year don't fit me this year and I'm growing. I gotta be more vocal. I've got to be, I've got to be more for others. One of the signs of growing up is you do for other people. You, ever, you remember you get in your 20s, you go, this growing up thing ain't fun. You, you know, and you have that revelation, you go from a teenager and you go, my parents don't understand. You get on your own, you go, great day I had it made. Right? See, you don't realize, and it's a small thing. Listen, people give their lives. They die for the faith. But the greatest thing I've ever given to you is that I don't get to go to church. Carol, I love going to church. My favorite thing in the world is to be under good, anointed preaching. And my least favorite thing in the world is to be under dry, dead preaching. So, but I don't get to go to church. But I get to see all of you leave after the Thanksgiving meal. And you say, this was wonderful. God is so good. And that's my joy. This year we need to... We, what's missing, the reason we're not seeing amazing things is because we're not doing basic things. We got to... And the Bible says, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What are you doing for the Lord? Guys... Opening your home, that's, that's basic. Well, I don't know. How to do. Well, when you open your home to people, half of them are crazy. Your family's crazy. How, how do I know who will walk through? Ain't nobody in this church crazier than the people in your family. Quit. <laughs> Quit. How many have crazy, I mean crazy, got papers, relatives? Okay, thank you. Uh, it's good for the soul. Confession's good. Okay. They're always outgrowing their current location. They're always outgrowing their ministry and vision. And they're always outgrowing their abilities. Which produces a greater dependence upon Jesus Christ. I don't know how to plant a church. I don't know how to pastor a church. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a father in the Lord. And I'm not saying that for you to feel sorry for me. All I knew is I had neighborhood kids. And I had to reach them. And I started a church. And I look back 25 years later next month. And there's seven churches and all this has happened. And don't you have an esteemed view of me because I am basic mashed potatoes. I just did what was before me. And I look and anything good that's come out of my life has come by the power of his spirit. And I do look and I get messages this morning from Dave and Beth White and Billy Smith, you know, running several thousand people in uh, Zebulun and Pastor Andy and, and, and Jason and Melissa. And I go, that's just amazing. My ministry outgrew this house and had to go into other houses. And don't think because I stand on the platform that I have any more of the Holy Spirit than you do. You might not be called to corporate ministry, but you are called to public ministry. Okay. You cannot grow without growing. Isn't that profound? You cannot make great changes without changing greatly. You cannot go where you're going and stay where you are. You can't change your life by living how you live. You can't change your yield by planting what you've planted. And you can't grow vertical without living horizontal. This is the year where we embrace the full cross. Vertical and horizontal. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Here's the issue of growing. 
You cannot grow his kingdom without adding people to this house and to your life. You cannot grow his kingdom without adding people to your life. Well, that messes it up. Yes. Do you know every time we added one of y'all to this church, it changed us? Did you know that? Every time you added one personality, it changed it. And we have to figure out who we have now. This music is way too white for me. Y'all ought to laugh. God send me some brothers and sisters that will help us. I love it. I, and don't take me wrong. I love our worship team. And your pastor, like, his favorite is, if you take gospel music, I only like about 5% of it. Most of it's too many riffs and show to me, but about 5% of it, that's my style. But when I add people that aren't like me, when you add young people, y'all are just staring at me this morning. If you add young people to your life, that. You know you crossed over. We spent 20-something years. Turn it up. Turn it up. I walk in a room. Turn it down. Turn it down. Turn it. I go in a restaurant. Can somebody turn this down? It's like I feel like I'm at a club. Like, how long have you been coming here? You can't even eat your food. That's the cost of adding people. Your way, your plans get diluted with every person you add. But his kingdom increases i got to add people to my schedule. It dilutes my free time. I have to add people. We have to add people. The church not only exists for you, but you exist for it. You are it. Surely God wouldn't ask us to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do. When people are added, you change the makeup, the face, the expression, the story, the framework, the dynamics, etc. It's the same way with our lives. You cannot grow without emptying yourselves for and to others. But growth, but what is key is that growth is not the goal, but it's the byproduct. Love is the goal. Okay, number three. The amazing church is centered around the person, presence, and word of God. It says in Mark 2, 2, while Jesus was preaching God's word to them. It's not enough just to get together and talk about fishing, hunting, and football now. Now, you don't have to have it rigid, but we have to steer. How are you? Where are you? Let's take it before the Lord. What did the Lord say? And when Christ is preeminent and his word is shared... Faith arises, the Holy Spirit is stirred, and miraculous things happen. Not at the hands of men, but by His Spirit. By His Spirit. His Word changes us. His kindness comforts us. His power enables us, and His presence satisfies us. We have life, find life, and live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When we do these life groups, what's going to happen in your homes is the same thing that happens here on a Sunday, but not in sermon form. This is a lot at one time for your nourishment, but you're just going to give out samples, scriptures, statements, testimonies, and that word's going to get in the hearts of people. And you're going to find people opening up in a home where they feel very swallowed up in here. But it's the word. It's the word that gives life and light. Where he is present, he is willing and active. It said, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. 
You don't have to scream and wake him up. When he's at home, he's active. You can write that down. Where Jesus feels at home, he's active. I want you to hear that verse. And the, 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 the healing power was strong with him. I had a visitor. This was several years ago, but it's one of my favorite stories. He come up to me. You know how you can just tell when somebody's visiting church? You know, do you know what I mean? You can just tell this one don't come often. They just don't have a, I don't know, they just don't, they, they're wild-eyed, first of all. You come to, and we're not, we're not that Pentecostal, y'all, compared to some places. But they come in like, gee, and they say, close your eyes in prayer. They're praying with one eye open, they're watching. <laughs> he come up to me after service, and he looked like he could have been an old rebel. But now he's just kind of weathered, and instead of retiring, he retreaded, you know. Your tattoo was cool in the 20s, but now that bird done sagged down. It's a pterodactyl coming way down here, you know. Oh, by the way, yeah, that's what's cute now. Wait till you get old. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So he come down to the front and he goes, hey. That's one sign he didn't come off. You know, hey. I'm like, hey. He goes, what's up with the chairs? Dead serious. He's about 60 years old. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, come on. I'm, this ain't, I'm just visiting. What's up with the chairs? I said, what? He said, Every time, and I, I, listen, don't build a doctrine about this, and it's not a big deal, but I love that it happened. It's not the point, but it's like God, you know, like you're playing hide and seek with kids, and you put your hand in the drape, and it goes like that, you know, and they see you. He goes, every time you said something about Jesus, it's like somebody shocked me in my chair. I said, he goes, they're wired, aren't they? And he said, I'm looking, I can't, I thought he was playing. And he said, I just want to tell you I didn't like it. And I got to thinking, I'm looking for who put him up to it. You know, I'm thinking somebody's watching. Watch Pastor John. We're going to get him. He, he was dead serious. He goes, I, 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 you know, I believe in God and all. But there's something here. Something. I, I, just stop shocking folk. Had another lady. Sheila, you remember this. Seven year, several years ago in the back, she was blind. All but blind. Uh, uh, technically blind. An older lady. And she said, uh, where's, where's all the water coming from? You remember? And I said, what? I said, it's just like it's rushing from out of this sanctuary. And I, I feel it all against the back of my legs. That's what's missing. Not that that's the staple. But if God is here and God is at our home and God is at our work, there ought to be things when you bump into him that... Make life uh, uh, you just wonder what could happen next. They said, we saw amazing things today. And if Jesus tarries, I want to see amazing things happen for the glory of His Son in our homes and in our lives and in this house. Number four, very quickly. We will have its share, the amazing church will have its share of scribes and Pharisees. Yes, you will. No, we don't have none. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to point. Anyway, Luke 5, 17, it said some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. Mark 2 said, now the scribes were sitting there holding a dialogue with themselves as they questioned, reasoned, and debated in their hearts. What do you do with Pharisees, Brother John? I know some of my pastor buddies that spend their life trying to change them. Forget it. Oh, you don't care. Oh, I care. I'm just smart. 
Well, that sounds arrogant. Let's reason together. This Pharisee can quote, has forgotten more Bible than I know. The Pharisees put to memory the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Masters of the law. And the ways of God, the people of God, the history of God. If the word of God hidden in their heart and the Holy Spirit active around them in that day and in them today has not changed them, what am I going to do? Leave them alone. I'll tell them the truth. But I, I, if the Lord hasn't changed the Pharisee, I'm not going to spend my time. trying. I'm, my heart's open, but I'm not going to waste my time when there's so many people hungry and ready to change. So now listen to this. Here's how you'll recognize them. Say, oh Lord, I hope I don't have none of these symptoms. Here's how you'll recognize them. I ought to pause right here. Sitting, not standing. Watching, not working. At a distance, not near him. Postured, never at his feet. Talking to themselves or others just like them. They flock together. Debating about Jesus' role and how it ought to be done and where it ought to be done and how it's not being done. But Jesus is doing something in the lives of people that they're totally unaware of. Questioning but not submitting. Judging but not sharing. Living to be right instead of righteous. Pharisees, their faith is all words. But faith without works, being by itself, is dead. I've seen churches where history is more precious than their future, where buildings are more important than people, where perception is more important than reality, where how they do something is more important than what they do, where Robert's rule of order is more highly esteemed than the word of God, and loyalty to a movement or denomination is more important than loyalty to God himself. Do not debate with them. Do not oppose them. Do not correct them or draw attention to them. Leave them alone. They're not the point. I just don't see what's all necessary. I just, just leave them be. And create a home environment. Be a part of a home environment. Because they may not hear what you hear. They don't see what you see. They don't know what you know. That's why they won't do what you do. That's strong, but there you have it. Number five. And there's only six, by the way. We're going to get out on time. The amazing church. This is critical. Write this down. The amazing Christian. By amazing, I don't mean you're better than someone else. When I say amazing, I want you to know I mean you see amazing things happen in the Spirit. You see it happen in your, by the Spirit in your life. They care more about others than they do themselves. The church that sees amazing things cares more about others than they do themselves. The Christian that sees amazing things cares more about others than they do themselves. While Jesus was preaching, Mark 2, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and lowered the man on his mat right in front of Jesus. Four men. Now, what was going on in the house was wonderful. 
Catch this. We're about to get to the main thing uh, that everything hinges upon. Was ministry happening in the house? People were being taught the word of God. Life was being shared. But the miraculous was not released until selfless people came in the room. Holy things were happening. The word of God was being taught necessity. Christ was at the center, absolutely. But amazing things happen when people live selflessly. It pulls from the Lord. I love how God is described in the Old Testament as the full-breasted one. I've had nursing mothers tell me, uh, when we had our little girls, and I was talking uh, uh, about this, you know, we, of course, had to use the infamil being that we adopted them. And they said, but, and I talked about, we talked about the crying, and I would hear them talking to Kelly. And they said how the baby can cry, and they'll just start to lactate. And they said, and John, I've even been in someone else's house or at the mall, and it wasn't even my baby. And at the sound of that cry, it would come forth. If God is in the house... And we bring in the hurting into our home, the blind, the unknowing, the deceived. That soul cry will pull from him. And miraculous things will happen for the people. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't want to be bound to the note part here. Listen to this. This is critical, critical. God help me to say it plainly. So these men got there and there was no room. See, there's always difficulty in serving other people. There's always something in the way, extra cost. They come up on the roof and they tore the roof off and they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And they did not tell Jesus what to do. Stop telling Jesus what to do. And then this will wreck your theology for all my preachers here. We used to go to lunch one day and eat some ribs and talk about this. This will wreck your theology. The man never said a word. And Jesus, seeing their faith, their faith spoke to the man. Your sins are forgiven you. Well, wait a minute now, John. Somebody else can't have faith for you. No, Christ could read thoughts. You remember he just read the Pharisees' thoughts? He knew what was in the heart of this man that he believed. He was part of, uh, if our musician would come here, he was part of, yes, I'll go. I want to see Jesus. But he never even prayed. Let's just get him in front of Jesus and see what God will do. Let's just get him in front of the word and see what God will do. Let's let him get in a house where there's peace. I remember a lady coming into our house many years ago. Her and her husband were having great difficulty. She came and sat on our back stoop. And she was speaking to my wife about all that was going on in her home. And she said, said, yeah, but your house has so much peace. Let's just get them in a house where there's wholeness. Let's get them in a house where mama loves daddy and daddy loves mama. And we all love Jesus. And we're very flawed. But the spirit of the Lord is there. And see what the Lord will do. You might have to tear your home up to make room for them. I have never hosted a home group 
where probably every other week I go, oh, I don't want to do this this week. <gasps> Pastor John, it's freeing if you'll let me help you. Mark, I don't want to get on the road and travel to Bangladesh and preach to all these race car drivers. If I preached only when I felt inspired, <laughs> I wouldn't preach every Sunday. Oh, I don't want to do this this week. Now, having said that, that's truthful. You also get past the evening. And the husband looks at the wife. I'm so glad we're doing this. Because my flesh was weak, but my spirit is willing. And this is God. This is the will of God. This is the way of God. This is the work of God. And isn't it funny how work feels like work? Remember that the road that prefers others is always uphill. For the amazing church, everything is negotiable except for others being brought to Jesus. The people in this house, their service was interrupted. Their building was depreciated. Their schedule was rearranged. In a word, it disrupted everything and saved this man's life. And finally... An amazing church is rewarded with God's glory. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and ran home praising God. My sister-in-law is not here today, so it gives me a good chance to expound on what I mentioned to you. For years, Kelly and Grandma prayed and prayed and prayed for Rebecca. My story and hers is very familiar. Raised correctly and just wayward and wayward. And wait, Pastor Wade, she wasn't one in this church. We tabled her grandma. How many hundreds of meals with grandma? How many hundreds of meals? You know, come to our house. Come to think. Table, table. And we would, t- oh, we'd talk about the Lord and what the Lord's doing and the miracles and the miracles and the miracles. And then now, you know, she, it's kind of like when we started, her back was on the bed. And now her bed's on her back. And we see her standing in the church. And I look down the other morning, and she's at the front praying over Kelly. And I'm going, what meaneth this? This is amazing. It's what's missing in her life. Why am I discontent? Because you're taking in more than you're giving out. It's called the Dead Sea. Pour it out. Not for us. Not, that's why you won't ever see it. You haven't for 25 years. You won't see it in our bulletins and you won't see it online. This is how many people are coming. This is what we're giving. This. No, no. It's for him. Pour it out. Pour it out. For those of you that have a past like mine, it's just a little extra funny. I thought you'd enjoy it. I was studying for this years ago and I used to play cards all the time. I, I cheated a lot. And I, I did. It helped pay tuition in, in school. I wasn't good, so I was good at cheating. And did you know that four of a kind will be the full house every time? Four people like that will be the full house of people that are coming for themselves every time. Every time. They got manna, the four got a miracle. They started early, 
They got him dressed. They lowered him in front of Jesus. What was the walk home like? You know what they left at that house? A long table-like mat with four ropes. What you gonna do with this? Don't need it no more. Let me read this to you and we'll close. It was amazing to find a place that housed Christ. It was amazing to find a place that drew others, a place that believed for others, a place that sought out, found, and cared for others. It was amazing to find people who would tear up their possession, their plans, if it meant one changed life. It was amazing to see a miracle when only four people had planned on one. Years ago, when I first wrote my first sermon on this text, and by the way, I preached this like seven years ago at, uh, uh, I think it was Christ Chapel, Dublin. So it's been that long. And yesterday when I was reworking this message, I found this old, I don't know if it's a poem or a little, anyway, something I wrote about. It just came out of my heart in like three minutes, four minutes, wrote it out. It's about this text and I want to read it to you and then we're going to pray. A church that sees amazing things is an amazing thing to see. Not every place is like this one, even though those things are free. To say they're free does not imply that there never was a cost. But churches who experience heaven's glory live to save the lost. The paralyzed should have the chance to see the one that heals. The one who suffers all alone that Jesus knows is how they feel. The one who needs a miracle must hear that God can give it. And the one who's tried and failed again must hear that they can live it. The one who's lost it all must hear that they can start again. The one who's buried in their shame, that there's grace for all their sin. Coming together twice a week hardly makes them blink. But when the church carries them, it makes them stop and think. If these who know God really think that God cares for everyone, then all we need to get them close and leave the rest unto the Son. Miracles seem to congregate where Christ is on display. And those who spend their life on others are showing us the way. So let's purpose as the people of God to be a church amazing. Amazing not in and of ourselves, but in the new ones that now are praising. Do you feel that in your heart today? It's time, guys. It's time. Start simple. Be a part. Be a part. Let's let the reports come in. And it's not for other ears. It's just that we could say with integrity, I was an eyewitness to an amazing. What happened in my wife's sister's life, Diane's baby's life. It's amazing. Jason, what happened in your life? It's amazing. We, we, we have to. If we just come together for us, that's just same old Thanksgiving. But if you bring them, he will come. And he will visit them, shocking some, helping others. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you do this for me? I've asked Randy to cue a, just two minutes of a song here. I want us to play through this. And um, you just dialogue with the Lord and then we're going to pray and dismiss this morning.
that your prayer? I ask uh, my buddy Carol, come up just a minute. Y'all, this is a preacher friend of mine. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. <laughs> many, many years. This is Brooke's daddy and Mama Vesta. Um, first of all, I just love you. When I was on the evangelistic field, nobody else would have me. He'd have me every year. In Adel, Georgia. And, uh, didn't get to see each other often, but have always had a wonderful relationship. And Carol's been a, a godly, faithful, and I'm not saying this for flattery, it's just the truth. All throughout our district, when you hear his name, you'll hear people say, now that's a good man. He and his wife, that's, that's a good man. And they're just in between churches right now. And it worked out perfectly that both his little girls wound up in Macon. And so... I'm just glad they're here for a while. And I just, I wanted you, if you'll take your time though, I don't want it, and I know you will do this. I want you to pray over this church like it was your church. Okay? Like for this coming year and what we're talking about, that God would use us uh, in this way. Would you do that for me? Thank you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are who you've presented yourself to be this morning, the Son of God, our Savior, our Healer, our empowerment. God, you're our strength, you're our courage and our wisdom. Yes, Lord. You are our anointer. And Lord, even in this new year, I pray over Christ Chapel Macon that eyes will be wide open, that hearts will be open to receive to greater and fuller capacity, to receive more, to be attentive, and to, to do more, to accomplish the things of God in the lives of people. Lord, I pray as that anointing flows that you touch every person. Yes, God. Every home. I pray for the leadership and I pray for the servants. God, I pray for these home groups this next year. Lives will be touched and changed by the anointing. Yes, Lord. The richness and the fullness of God. Lord, I pray over the staff today, and I pray the richness and the fullness of God. The freshness, that new wine, yes, the Lord. river of heaven that yes, flows. Yes, Lord. God, the river of heaven that would flow. Yes, Lord. That that anointing be rich and powerful the miracles, the supernatural yes. will happen. There will be great reports of awesome things at the hand of God using willing servants. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray your richest blessing on Pastor John and on staff and on Christ Chapel Macon. 
Lord, would you use us this year? Yes, Lord. We surrender to that in Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.